single white trailer All down in the floor Four dogs in the backyard With kick the screens in the door Daddy screams Mama, the little boy cringes as he screams He says I'll be a prophet boy One day you'll be like me And he thinks I will take a different road Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. On today's podcast, we're going to take a look at Genesis chapter 6, and specifically the environment that Noah was living in. In our culture today, we have far too many men who are living under the umbrella of being the victim. It might be your relationship with your wife isn't good. Uh, your relationship with your children, uh, your work environment, your neighborhood, your church. Uh, just far too many guys who are living under this idea that they are the victim within their own story. And what we're going to see in Genesis chapter 6 is Noah is living in, in an environment unlike anything that we can comprehend. Regardless of whatever is going on in your life, regardless of whatever relationship troubles you have or, or don't have, Um, We believe in a God who is victorious. We believe in a God who holds all things in control. And we, as Christian men, do not want to live under the guise of being a victim anymore. And uh, we need to draw the line in the sand and say, I'm not going to live that way anymore. And so as we walk through Genesis 6, we're going to take a look at the environment. We're going to look at what God's call to Noah meant for him and for his family, and then what a life of obedience actually looks like. So guys, it's time to cue up the music. All right, men, we're going to get into Genesis chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 5, where God is taking a look at creation, look, taking a look at uh, mankind and what's going on, and, and he's really grieved in his heart, and he says that he's going to put a cap on uh, the amount of years that man is going to live on the earth, and he says that's going to be 120 years. Uh, the Bible tells us that he was grieved to his heart. And so um, God looks at man, looks at women, looks at the animals he made, the birds, the fish, the whole deal, and says, you know what, I'm going to wipe it out and I'm going to start all over, except for the fact that Noah has found favor with God. It's important to note that that does not mean that Noah was sinless. That just means that Noah had a heart for God. Noah had a heart for the things of God, uh, regardless of his circumstances, regardless of the culture that he lives in, regardless of who his neighbors were or anything uh, in that realm, uh, Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And I want to ask myself, and I hope you'd ask yourself, if God were to look around um, your city, look around your work environment, your church, even your house, and say, I'm looking for someone who has a heart for me, who has a heart for the things of God, would he, would he realize that in you? Would he see that in you? Um, if not, then how do we rectify that? How do we make that right? So Noah's living in a time. He's living in a time that it's so bad. The create the the community, the culture is so bad that God wants to wipe out the entire population of the people. 
My question to you is, as we're talking about this idea of men being the victim within their own story, what is going on in your life that would rival what is going on in the time of Noah? Remember, things are so bad. The culture is so bad. Uh, the evilness, the wickedness, the Bible actually says in Genesis 6 that God sees that the intent of man's heart, that the thoughts in his mind, that everything was evil and wicked all the time. It's so uh, terrible that God wants to destroy uh, people and, and start over. So how bad is your boss? Like, How bad is your work environment? Is it that bad that, that God wants to wipe it out? Is, how bad is your marriage? How bad are your children? How bad are your neighbors? And, and the reason why I think this is important is because, again, as I said in the intro, you know, far too long, men have been being the victims within their own story. And when you're the victim of your own story, you are, in a sense, rendering yourself powerless. It's poor you, right? It's poor you. You are a victim of your circumstance. And, and uh, I'm not talking about you know, we're seeing a lot of this stuff in the news right now. I'm not talking about uh, specifically men who have abused their power, who have abused their influence uh, to harm men and women uh, in, in sexually exploiting ways. I'm not. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is uh, people who say, "Well, I can't. I can't take my wife on a date because man, I just don't have money, and I just don't. You know, or I have kids. You know, people who have kids are are victims all the time. It's always their kids and their kids' schedule and their kids' schooling and their kids. And, and I'll, I'll I'll attest to that. I have three kids. Uh, they all still live in my house, and life is different because I have kids. But I'm not the victim of that." You know, if we sign them up for sports or we have school and things of that nature, but we're not the victim of that. And there's times where we say, you know what, we're not going to practice tonight. You know what, we're going to take you out of school a day early so we can leave on that trip. Or, hey, we're going to take you out of school so we can have this experience. Um, I'm not going to be the victim within my own story. I'm, I'm not going to live like that. And when you're the victim, what you're doing is, is either being the martyr, oh, poor you, because it's so hard to be you, or you're hoping that other people will um, ease up on you, um, show you some grace, or somehow just rally around you and befriend you. I, I don't know what it is, but I see this all too often that they're guys who are the victim because they're so busy. I've never met a man yet who, who wasn't busy. Um, ask him how their week was. Rarely will a guy say, you know what, I didn't do anything. I just laid around the house. I wish I had something to do. You're just not going to find that. And so within the culture that Noah is living in, things are really, really bad. Um, you know, with Sodom and Gomorrah, it was bad, but God was just going to destroy that place. In Noah's time, uh, God wants to wipe the whole thing out. And so then God puts a call in his life. And I believe every man has a call in his life. I, I, I believe that. I believe every man uh, has been created for a purpose. God is not waking you up today just to wake you up. He's not breathing life into your lungs while you slept last night uh, just, just to mess with you or to, to beat you up one more day. And so God's purpose for Noah was, I want you to build a boat. There's absolutely uh, no record of Noah building boats prior to this God didn't say, you know, those first four or five boats you built, that was good, but I want you to build a really big one right now. He doesn't say that. He says, I want you to build a boat, and here's how I'm going to do it. And he gives him the dimensions, and he begins to talk to him about, you're going to make rooms, and you're going to make this space, and here's how you're going to, and he gives him details. And Noah didn't just build this boat like on a weekend. You know, he and his sons didn't run to Lowe's, get some supplies, 
have a little uh, father-son bonding moment, get some pictures we can put on Instagram, and, and build a boat. No, no, no. It took him a hundred years to build this boat. So when God calls him to do this, he's 500 years old, which is outrageous. And I don't fully grasp how all that works, a 500-year-old man building a boat. Um, but when, when, it's, when he calls him and the water starts to show up, he's 600 years. There's a lot we can take from this. So for 100 years, he somehow convinces Shem, Ham, and Japheth to become boat builders with him, to help him do this. And what I pick up on that is, is influence. So if you're a victim and you're, you're telling, oh, it, it's poor you, and boy, you're just, you got it so rough, and you know, the, the, the waiter was not nice to you at the restaurant, and um, the cars in front of you are driving too fast, and the guy, you know, is going too slow, and your boss is this, and your neighbors are this, and you know, I'm at church and they won't let me serve on that team. And I don't, you know, whatever it is that we can just complain about, you'll lose influence. People are not going to follow that. They're, they're, they're not, they don't, they don't want to be a part of that. You never see an NFL coach who's a victim of, of his circumstances or a victim of his roster or a victim of his um, stadium or you know, nothing, nothing like that. If, if it's that bad, then move on somewhere else and get a different employment or a different small group or whatever the context is that you need. But he was not the because he was not the victim, because he rose above that and continued to pursue the heart of God, regardless of his circumstances, Noah had influence. On the people that matter the most, his sons, and, and ultimately he's going to have influence on his wife and, and their wives because he convinces them to get in the boat uh, with him. Again, they're not living next to water. This is not uh, a boat building community. He wasn't living uh, in Alaska where there's just a bunch of boats. He, that wasn't the case. And not everybody in the Bible is a hero when it comes to influencing their family. I think about Lot. And I think about Lot going to his son-in-laws and trying to convince them, you need to come to my house and we need to get out of here. God is going to destroy this place. And Lot's son-in-laws, thinks they think he's joking with them. Like, they never took him serious enough. And I think that's incredibly tragic. Well, it is tragic because they died, but he loses influence. And it's important. Who who are you supposed to influence? Uh, who are you supposed to have influence over? And when you're the victim... You're not you're not influencing them. I promise you. If anything, you're influencing them in a negative way. You've lost the influence. You've lost the right to speak into their life. You've lost that. And to get that back, you're going to have to stop playing the victim card. We all can run the risk of, of being a victim in our story. I, I you could have a day things just did not go your your way today, and boy, this this person this and this, and I've been there. And you can just feel like you know what? I'm done. I'm done with this day. I'm done with uh, this. You know, whatever it is for you, uh, but you can't live there. You can't remain there. I, I think that we have a, a lot of people, and I know there's people who have depression, and I know there's people who have anxiety. But I think sometimes people have depressing days or depressing seasons and they say, well, I'm, I'm depressed. And, and I just don't know if that's always true. And I think there's times you can have anxious moments and there's environments that can make you anxious. And I just don't know if we're always uh, people who have anxiety. I think some people do, but I don't think it's as many as are being labeled as people who have anxiety and people who have depression. And, and you could certainly push back on that. I'm, I'm okay with that. I just, I just don't believe it's that many people. I, I, I know there's moments in my life that make me anxious. 
but I don't think that's a guy with anxiety. I know I've had seasons where I've certainly been depressing. I was just speaking to my wife about a season about that. I lost guys I worked with, and I was just it was it was just a frustrating season. Um, I don't know if I was depressed, but I was certainly uh, depressing. I was certainly depressing to be around. I didn't want to go to work every day. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to have to. No, I didn't, I didn't want any part of that. But you do that because there, you have a bigger understanding of the call in your life. And that and Noah has that. He understands that God's called him to start building a boat. Again, this may be the first and last boat this man has ever built, but it's certainly going to be the most important. Again, he didn't just go spend a few days, a few weeks, months, whatever, and build a boat. Um, he did this for 100 years. 100 years Noah is building a boat. And when we think about different texts of the Bible, we think about this idea of if you don't want to be a victim, you're going to have to persevere. That means you're going to have to rise above your circumstances. You, that means you have to believe in the fact that you have an all-knowing, sovereign God who's in, who's in charge of all things, who holds the world in the palm of His hands, who sent His Son Jesus to this earth to live to die, to rise again. And within that, being in Christ, that we have a new life in Him, that we have victory. And that every day is a new day. It's a gift from God. And this is not some Joel Osteen garbage that you just believe it and you get it. No, what I mean is that you persevere with the idea, God, you're in control. I am not. I'm keeping my eyes fixed upon you. Uh, I'm going to work at that relationship. I'm going to work on that ministry team. I'm going to work on that small group, or I'm going to work volunteer at that school. I'm going to get involved, and I may not be the most popular person there, and they may not listen to all my ideas, and they may not even let me in the circle when I first get there, but I'm going to do it because I believe you're calling me to do this. And I think if men would do that, if men would show up, and men would have a presence in that environment, you would change countless environments. Think about James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Steadfast under trial means regardless of what has happened, that you get your bearings about you and you say, you know what? I'm going to refocus. I'm going to redial in here. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. What I believe happens is we see this idea of crown of life, or we see this idea of being a Christian, that everybody should be just nicer to us, or we go to this church and everyone's so nice to us when we go here. Yeah, because you're new, right? And that's what you do to new people. But eventually people get to know you and you get to know them and you kind of settle down relationally speaking and not everyone's going to be your friend and and you kind of gravitate towards certain people. And, And then same thing happens at work and same thing happens in a lot of areas of our life. And we stand the, the test of trial. We, we, we persevere regardless of our circumstances and say, you know what? I just have to take care of, of this day. And what we want is the crown of life in like three days. Well, I understand I've been going to that church for a month and, and, and nobody's asked me to volunteer and nobody's invited me to their small group and nobody lets me sit by them and nobody, sometimes people have to get to know you. And the truth is, maybe the church that you were just at, you weren't as inviting to new people either. Or maybe you didn't invite them to your, so the, the reality is this, sometimes in life things are going to be challenging, but that does not give us permission to be the victim. Uh, Galatians uh, 6, 9 uh, says this, uh, and let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing... The truth is this, sometimes we just don't feel like doing nice things. 
Sometimes I just don't want to return that phone call. Sometimes I just don't want to make that hospital call. Sometimes I just don't want to um, follow up with somebody. Sometimes I just don't want to do it. But let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Again, I just believe too many times we are giving up. We have bought into the lie that we are a victim. Satan wants nothing more than you to be the victim in your story. Because when you are the victim, he is rendering you and he's rendering your influence and he's rendering your leadership utterly useless. Nobody is going to follow a victim. And when you are a victim in your story, he's got you in a one-on-one position and you don't have a chance. You don't have a chance. Your wife is not attracted to a victim. Uh, your kids are not going to uh, respect or, or admire or want to be like a victim. People in your church are not going to want you to get connected as, as a victim. People in your community don't want to get to know you because you're, you're the victim. And somehow everything is someone else's fault except for you. And we live this martyrdom and it's just not going to be very becoming of a man of God. And again, Satan would love that because when you are the victim, you have your eyes on you and how poor you, poor your environment, poor your circumstance, poor whatever. And then we just, we just somehow put the pillow over our head. We go to sleep and hope that the world somehow will just be uh, nice to us. And that, that simply isn't the case. Once again, let's go back to Genesis 6. How long did it take Noah to build the ark? It took him 100 years so how long have you been at whatever you're working on? Let's, let's say a decade. Well, he's got nine more decades on you. You know, I'm doing this for 30 years, 40 years. Well, he's got 50, 60, 70 years on you working at building this boat to specifically how God told him to build it. What we can take away from that with Noah is sometimes obedience literally takes us the rest of our life. That for the rest of our life, we are going to work on our faith in God and our obedience towards Him. And as we understand and lean into our faith in God and our obedience towards Him, we will begin to stop being the victims within our own story because we understand that God is God, that He is sovereign and that He is above all things and He is in all things, that He is before time, after time, He exists. There's nowhere we're going to go that He is not there. And so all we're called called to do is be obedient. That's what he's asking us to do. We trust him and we're obedient knowing, God, you've always been faithful and you'll continue to be faithful. God, you're the same God of Genesis 6 that you are in 2018 or whatever. First uh, Chronicles 16, 11, that we seek the Lord and his strength. Because some days you don't feel like you have your strength. Some days you're going to feel like you don't have anybody. Some days you're going to feel like the whole world just dumped on you. We seek the Lord, we seek His strength, and we seek His presence continually. This is key. Seek His presence continually. Because again, when you're a victim, what you generally do is remove yourself from people. And when you remove yourself from people, more than likely you're not removing yourself from people to go do a Bible study with God and just dialogue with Him. What you're doing is removing yourself from people and then you're just, you're going to shun them. You're going to talk about them. You're going to, whatever. You just separate yourself from them. And as you separate yourself from them, it becomes incredibly difficult to reconnect yourself from them. We need to, again, notice the warning signs in your life when you are becoming a victim. What's going on in your head? I've caught myself doing this. Be- really work on this idea of self-awareness. So when, when I begin to become the victim of my story, what are the thoughts that begin to happen? Okay, somebody does something to me I don't like. How did I respond? What happens is I, I realize then my, my thought pattern 
leads to my heart pattern because now I begin to think these things. Now, what am I feeling? I begin to understand there's certain behaviors, there's certain patterns in my life that, that will lead me to believe that I am a victim in my circumstance. And I just don't want to live like that anymore. I just don't want to live like that. I believe with all my heart that Christian men have been victims for far too long. And we, we really haven't been victims. Really, a lot of things that have happened to us, it's been our own fault. You know, we haven't stood up for things we should have stood up for. We haven't been men of God who understand the Word of God, who are changed by the presence of God. We haven't been men who've showed up to our schools and got involved. We haven't been men who've been involved in our churches. We haven't been men who've been men in our house, not just being present in your house, but being a spiritual leader in your house and, and to formulate uh, the spiritual disciplines and, and leading our wives and leading our children. We just haven't done this. You know, we thought, you know, going to work or attending church once in a while, that was good enough. We haven't done this. And so when, when we realize it hasn't been good enough, then we say, oh, poor me. I did the best I could. And I talked to a really good guy today and we had, he shared this idea. He said, I just feel like sometimes the mountain that I need to climb is, is just too great. You know, I look at my circumstance and I look at this mountain and say, I don't know how I'm ever going to get over this. And, and, and I know what he's saying, because a lot of times we look at a mountain and we see someone on the other side of it and we say, and they must have jumped onto the other side of that mountain, right? We see their success. Uh, we see disciplines in their life. Uh, we see things in their life that we wish we had. We see things in their life that maybe we're aspiring to, and we don't have, currently have it. And the first thing to do is say, well, I might as well quit because the mountain is too great. It's, it's too huge. There's no way I could possibly ever get over that. What we didn't see was every day uh, when they got up early, or every night when they stayed up late, or every weekend when they put in extra time, or every time that they sacrifice something for something much bigger. We, we don't see that. And every step they take along that mountain that gets them to the other side, we didn't see that. All we see is them on the other side of the mountain. And we, what we tell ourselves, I'll never get there. You're right. You'll never get there. Today, you'll never get there. If you take a step today, and then tomorrow you take another one, eventually you will get there. And uh, we will never take tomorrow's step if we don't take today's step. You think about when God brought the manna from heaven to Israel. He didn't give them tomorrow's manna. He gave them today's manna. Because if they grabbed the manna and tried to save it for the next day, what happened to it? It got maggots and it spoiled. It was disgusting. God gave them exactly what they needed for that day. And the next day, then he'll start giving them what they need for, for that day. But if we don't take care of today, there's no way we're ready for tomorrow. And if you go to bed tonight... As a victim, and you lay in bed and you stare at the ceiling and you think, oh, I got all these regrets and all these things I wish I would have done, you're going to miss out on your present. And what you're doing is you're going to really ruin your future. And that's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to focus on the past, dwell on the past, and then worry. So if the past was bad, then the future must be even worse. And what you've done is you've just missed the present. You missed another day, another opportunity, another chance. You missed it. Man, we just do not want to live like that. So, man, we do not want to live as being the victim. If you've done it, repent of it. Repent to God. God, I, I've been trying to be God in my own story. I've missed out on opportunities. I've missed out on relationships. I've missed out on moments. God, I want to repent of the times that I have played the victim card. God, help me notice the warning signs in my life, the triggers in my life that lead me to know you're getting ready to play the victim. You're getting ready to be a martyr. You're getting ready to be that guy again. God, I don't want to be that guy anymore. Because when I'm that guy, I lose my influence, and I lose my leadership, and I certainly lose my focus on you. So guys, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Man, I'm not trying to preach at you. I want to encourage you. 
Because I want to know, I want you to know the things I'm talking about are the things I'm telling myself that, man, I, I don't want to live like that. I, I don't want to be that guy. There's too much on the line. And man, so I hope that you uh, join with us, that you continue to bring more men in on the story. That you, as you invite people to listen to the podcast or engage with us on social media or uh, engage with us on our website, you know, you're bringing more men together. And what we're trying to do is we want to build better men together. And we can't do it without you. So guys, thanks for listening. If you're on iTunes and you found this podcast, man, I'd love for you to click subscribe. You'll never miss uh, any of the episodes, any of the interviews, any of the men in the Bible. And while you're there, if you take a couple minutes and leave a review, that would be awesome. Man, leave a five-star review. The more five-star reviews you leave, um, what you're doing is getting iTunes uh, attention about the pursuit of manliness. And um, you, you allow more guys, the, the opportunity is they search manliness or whatever they're searching for uh, to see this podcast. And there's a chance they uh, might listen to it. And certainly find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They're all um, at Pursue Manliness. Um, and we have a close Facebook group facebook.com backslash groups backslash pursuit of manliness. If you're a guy uh, who's trying to be a better man of God, who's trying to grow, who's trying to maybe even figure out what this um, man of God or Christian thing is like, man, we'd love for you to, to join the group. And you can certainly add your friends and uh, relatives and coworkers to it if you want. Um, here's the key, man. We want you to be a guy. And uh, man, if you're a guy with a profile picture of um not your face or anything like that. Uh, it may take longer for us to add you to that group. If you're a guy, sh- let us know you're a guy. So that makes it a lot easier on myself or the other guys who add people to the group. So guys, once again, thank you for listening. And I hope that you keep pursuing manliness. One thing you will see is that you're loved by this king. And you ain't-